Greetings, my friends. As always, thanks for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes you just heard, as always, is courtesy of my good pal, Bobby Mackey. And I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. This week, I have a special guest joining me. Kelly Fitzgerald is an intuitive medium, an energy healer, a paranormal investigator, and an author who uses her gift and skills to help others along their spiritual journeys. Kelly Fitzgerald, welcome to the Paranormal Prowlers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. Oh, pleasure is absolutely all mine. Thank you so much. Kelly, let's dive right into this. When did you first realize that you had this special, phenomenal gift, that, of course, being mediumship? You know, when I was a child, I always could see spirit, and I could always communicate with them. So I was sort of this way my entire life. I remember it came to a head, and my family realized I had this gift, when my mother's, one of her cousins had killed himself. Mm. And I was probably about seven or eight at the time. And I saw it and I felt it and I felt her pain. And I just absolutely fell apart. And, you know, she was sort of angry with me. Why are you crying? It wasn't, you, you didn't even know this person. And I said, he says he's sorry. And he's standing right behind you. Wow. And she just, you know, completely fell apart. And from that moment on, my entire family, I was that weird child that talked to nobody. You know, it was, I was seeing that earlier than, than when they realized I was. But uh, one of my very first memories is being in a bedroom in a crib and hearing this just deep, heavy breathing. And I finally saw the man that had died in that room and he had had uh, heart congestion and he couldn't breathe. And that's what I was hearing. So, you know, really my entire life, I've always been one of those very strange people. That's incredible for sure. And so it seems like with your mom's reaction anyway, they didn't really accept this gift of yours, right? No, they did not. To this day, they don't. And, And it's, it's something I've learned to deal with. Yeah. In my point of view, it's just their loss. For a very long time, it was painful. But I've, you know, finally reconciled that several years ago. But no, and it does run in my family, which is funny, because so many people in my family have this gift, and they've always just ignored it, you know, kind of brushed it under the rug and absolutely disavowed anything. So that that's kind of sad to me. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And like you said, it's their loss. You you have yeah. this amazing gift where you get to communicate with people who have passed on. Some of those people are people that you knew in life and miss. 
And I just think that it's a shame. I'm sorry that to this day, they still are not open and accepting of that. I mean, that my family, they are awesome. I've even had a few family members go and investigate with me. I, you know, when I investigate the paranormal, sometimes they'll go on these adventures with me, these investigations. And I just find myself so lucky that I'm able to share that with them. And it's just, I wish you had that too, Kelly. Yeah, it's something. And I've met other mediums and paranormal investigators that have had both ways. You know, sometimes their their families are very supportive. Yeah. Other times they're more, ooh, go away. (laughs) Right. It just seems to vary greatly from investigator to investigator. Right. Years and years ago, I did have a brother, he has since passed, Mm. who did do some investigating with me. And it was interesting to see his reaction because I was getting information and relaying that to the the people whose house we were in. And they were going, there's no way you could know that. How do you know that? What, what, What do we do? And he was just standing there wide eyed and his mouth just, you know, chin on the floor practically. How do you do that? How do you do what you do? I have no idea. I really honestly don't have any idea how I do what I do. I think some people have that ability. And I think generally speaking, we are more in tune, you know, spiritually, emotionally to greater things than what other people can see. I think it scares people. Right. Uh, To me, it's very comforting. If I'm in a situation and I can say, well, gee, I wonder what my grandmother would have said. I can ask her. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's some people out there who are just uncomfortable with the unknown. You know, it's foreign to them. They don't understand it. So it must be bad. And for me, I, you know, I've had people before I had my podcast and radio show and investigate the paranormal. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in that kind of stuff? And it's like, no, I don't believe. I know. I know that it exists. I've seen things. I've heard things. I've dealt with things before that, you know, it's like you could ask people, do you believe in Santa? Do you believe in the Easter Bunny? But no, it's like, it's almost like you're asking, do you believe that water exists? Well, of course it does. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Kelly, when spirits present themselves to you, what form is it that you see? I've talked to a lot of people, medium friends that see spirit, and it's always kind of different. It's like, is it full form? Is it partial? Is it just some anomaly? Like, what do you see? It depends on the spirit, actually. Some of them have more energy than others. If it is someone that I have contacted before, that I've communicated with before, generally speaking, I will see a full-body apparition. Sometimes, though, it's a wisp. Sometimes you don't see anything. It's more of a sensing than than a sight. But recently... I had either the fortune or misfortune, depending on how you look at it, to investigate a very, very dark property. Mm. And dark um, things had been done there. It had been, you know, very dark occult practices. And I'm the first one to tell you that not every occult practice is a dark one. It depends on the intention of the person or the group performing these rituals. And 
before I went in with some friends and before we even got halfway down the hallway, there was an enormous black shadow with horns coming at us. And, you know, we just looked at each other and did some very quick blessing and spraying of holy water and it didn't reach us, but it was sprinting towards us. So that has happened as well. You can see really anything you you want to see but that was one of the darkest that i've visually seen usually you go into something and you can feel the darkness you can feel the evil intent that was there before this was absolutely completely visual we heard it we saw it it was intense oh that's not normal (laughs) right yeah you see something coming at you and the silhouette with horns. No, that that would be scary for anybody. Yeah, and that, that's not the way it normally happens at all. But that was recent and it was very intense. You know, I'm, I'm still honestly processing that a little bit. Wow. Did you guys encounter anything else that day? We did. What normally happens, in my experience, is if you get something that's very dark, a very dark entity in a place, they will sort of hold other spirits hostage and not let them cross. And we had some other spirits there who were, you know, people that had died, and they were not able to cross because of this dark entity. So we did see them. We were able to clear it. We were able to, you know, allow them to cross. But it was... Easily the most intense, dark experience I've ever had paranormal investigating. I normally go in as a medium and try to make contact that way. But this experience, I didn't have a chance to do that because there it is and it's charging. Wow. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, let me get out of the way first. (laughs) Right. Wow. Well, that must have been such a great feeling that you were able to help these hostage spirits you know I mean here they are being held there by this evil negative just horrific force and you were able to help them and that must have been a phenomenal feeling honestly that's why I do paranormal investigations because I started out doing readings for people helping people heal their trauma through connecting with the other side oftentimes people pass and we have unfinished business with them you know someone crosses over and you've just had a fight and you need to make amends for that that's the way I have used my my medium gift I started paranormal investigating because I kept hearing spirits that weren't able to cross or that were lost or that wanted to make amends on that side, on their end. And, you know, that's why I started doing it. So anytime I can help someone like that, that's that's why I do what I do. So, Kelly, as a small child, you had an encounter with a sick child. Is that correct? Yeah. She was my friend (laughs) until I realized that when spirits know that you have a gift and you can see them, they can see you as well. And that's one thing that when I'm teaching students, which I do frequently, it scares them. You know, everyone wants to see through the veil. Everyone wants to be able to make that contact. But the cautionary tale is that if you can see them, they can see you. And that is what happened with this child. 
it was a, a sick kid who, who died, Aww. you know, as a result of the illness and was looking for their family. And their family and this child had lived in the house that I was living in at the time. So that was my first crossing someone over or helping someone cross. And this was my friend for six months, a year. I mean, this was truly someone that I could see and talk to and communicate with. And I was a pretty lonely kid. And my friends were dead people and animals. (laughs) That was was my life, animals and and then dead people. (laughs) So I kind of didn't want to, I think on some level, want to lose this friend. Right. But at the same time, I realized early that one thing I could do was open the doorway. And I finally did, and she left. It was hard, and it's still hard today as an adult, seeing a child's spirit, because that means a child was lost. Right. And I I just, I can't imagine what the family went through losing that small child, you know? Yeah. Okay, one of the things that I have seen lately, and this happens from time to time where a spirit will just come through, mostly because they know that I can see them. Mm. But lately, I have had a young woman, I'd say she's probably in her 30s, holding a baby. And again, anytime it's a child, it really, you know, touches my heart. It's it's like, you know, somebody lost a baby. But she is also deceased. I do not know who this person is or who she was in life. It's really interesting that she comes through holding this child. Hmm. And I have asked her, did you die in childbirth? And she says, no, but the baby did. So Aww. this is someone who had a stillborn baby yeah, who died later because she is clutching this child, but they did not cross at the same time. So it's, it's one of those things that occasionally comes through and I don't know who she is. She doesn't seem to need help. She seems to be trying to communicate her story. Right. So, you know, if if any of your listeners know who this might be, I'd love to know. But it it happens sometimes where if spirit know you can hear them and see them, they will try to contact you. Right. It always warms my heart talking with mediums. I... I'm lucky to have some pretty good friends who are phenomenal mediums. And I just love hearing their stories of helping people and communicating with their loved ones and reaching out and finding answers and solution and just helping, you know. And so, yeah, people listening, if you know who this possibly could be, reach out for sure. Kelly Fitzgerald or you could reach out to me and I could get you two connected, whatever. I mean, I guess it's it's nice to know that they are reunited now, but it would be nice right. to know who this is and more of their story. Right. Yeah, it, it does seem like she is trying to get, you know, her story told. She's trying to make contact with someone. Right. I don't know who she is, but somebody does. You know, she was she was in someone's life. Right. Yeah, she was in someone's life she was loved and missed now and so yeah definitely and when you talk to her do you get a sense like she's like more modern 
known her like from a long time. Yeah, you know, she appears to be probably around 2000, 2001 maybe. Okay. The only thing that I did get from her, and when she tells me her name, I can't hear it. I see her lips moving. I cannot hear what she's saying. Mm. But she did say 2000. And that was where where it cut off. So I'm thinking 2000 or somewhere about that time. It, it's it's interesting though. It's really interesting, and I'm I'm really trying to find out who she is. And, and hopefully, as I continue to you know con- connect with her, I will find out more information. I'm hoping. You know, you never know though. It, it could be she's connected with me because she knows I can hear her. Right. Well, and it seems like she's comfortable with you. She knows that she can trust you and that she's comfortable with you. So hopefully she keeps coming back to you and you could find out more. Yeah, that, that is the, the plan. So hopefully I will find out who she is. Yeah, well, please let me know if you find out more. I will. Yeah, definitely. So Kelly, between the tender age of two and three you had an unlikely friend a phantom cat (laughs) yeah (laughs) talk a bit about this sweet furry ghostly feline friend well i've seen many ghost animals but that was the first i didn't know no one else could see this cat Hmm. and you know the cat would come and sit on my lap or would come and follow me around or would sleep with me and it was just normal to me. It was completely normal to me to have this cat around. And it wasn't really until I um, mentioned the cat that I got laughed at. And they laughed at me a lot, so that's not unusual. <laughs> but, but, yeah, and it's funny because today I still have that cat. Obviously, you know, I am not a child anymore, but the cat is still with me. Wow. It just never really left. And I, I think it's because it just was as fond of me as I was of this cat. I have had many spirit animals too, but it that one it is still with me. That's amazing that from when you were two to three years old, this cat comes into your life, and all these years later, it is still with you. So, Kelly, describe yeah. this cat for us. What does it look like? It, what are it's, it's a white cat, and it's uh, the funniest thing because it always appears. It, it appears and disappears, but it always appears at the same general time. Mm. It's always first thing in the morning and <laughs> last thing at night. And what was interesting is I have a guest room in my house, which I keep closed. But if that door is open, if someone's staying in it, that cat likes that guest room. And I had a guest last summer, actually, tell me in the morning, your cat was on my bed all night long (laughs) and I'm like what cat because I do have cats but I was curious what cat because I know which one goes in there and she said well it I didn't actually see it come to think of it I felt it and I felt it needing (laughs) periodically through the night and I'm like "Uh uh-huh okay I know who that was yeah no problem didn't tell her it was a ghost cat because it would not have uh, set well with her right yeah exactly (laughs) well you know I, I have to say White cats, there's something about them. When I when I was younger at my dad's, my little sister was in this horrible car accident and they kind of got her, my dad got this cat for her. It was like a tiny little kitten, pure white, short hair, and her, she was Nurse Snowflake. 
and she had one green eye and one blue eye, and she <laughs> was the coolest, most spunkiest cat ever, and she was kind of like there to help my sister, and then we had her for 18 years, Yep. and she was this amazing cat, and I cried like a baby when she finally died but yeah there's something about those cats and you're lucky that you get to keep this one from age two and up I mean (laughs) this cat's not going nowhere it seems (laughs) no it's it's not I I have several times I've thought that you know well I haven't seen him I guess you know is is gone but yeah no always comes back always comes back but you know I have I have animals that have passed and have come back too with the exact same markings with the exact same personality it's interesting how that happens yeah no that is and I mean I think it's comforting that they're still around, you know, I mean, it's, it's always hard losing an animal. It's, I mean, people who don't have them don't get it, but it's just kind of like there are honorary furry or scaled or feathery family members that, you know, we have for so many years and create so many memories and they're always there. They don't judge us. They're always happy to see us. And so of course, when they're gone, that presence is deeply missed. And I think it is such a rare, special thing when they actually come back and visit. And it's like you, you've had animals pass and they've come back, like you said, exact same markings and just like how you remembered them. And I think that's a very special thing for sure. Yeah, it, it is, and it really is a great way to freak out your fa- your your family and your friends. I found <laughs> I had people come out and go, "Wait a minute, I was here when you buried that cat." <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, something's going on here. <laughs> like, uh, never a dull moment. <laughs> don't look, but they're right behind you. <laughs> so. Throughout the years, I'm sure that you've had countless proud moments when it comes to being able to communicate with the dead and helping people reunite with their departed loved ones. Can you share some of your most proudest and joyful moments that you've had being a medium? One, well, and always the the best ones are always those ones where you help people. And because I've lived through so much trauma in my own life, I tend to attract people as clients who have also dealt with trauma. And one of the ones recently, this is very recent, who was a woman who just got out of a horrible, abusive relationship. And she found that her family, much like my own, would not support her in that. Oh, geez. And during the part of, you know, finally getting away, literally leaving in the middle of the night, her mother died. Oh. And she felt like she lost everything yeah. at that point. It's like I'm running away from this horrible situation, and the woman who gave birth to me but never supported me, now I can't even heal that. Right. And it took three sessions, but Mm. in working with reaching out to, and her mother did not appear at first. And sometimes people that clients most want to speak with kind of hold back a little bit. Yeah. But other family members did come through and finally her mother did as well. And she was able to say her piece and, you know, have some closure. And that was very, it made a profound difference in her life. You know, I, I love helping people in that way. 
grief is a funny thing. You know, it doesn't matter how long ago you lost someone. Yeah. It comes back. It comes back until it's completely healed. And I was able to help that client heal that situation. But, you know, I've also helped find missing kids or find a missing person. And and those are wonderful as well. Um, Oh, wow. Really? Can you talk a little bit about that? I I understand like names, anonymous, whatever, but... Right, right. There was a situation where an, an older man had left for a walk in the morning and never come back. And he was a dementia patient. So it was sort of a a real urgent thing. Right. Um, And no one could find him. And then I was just sitting and meditating and I heard, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And I was able to, you know, connect with that voice and trace it back to him. And he had gone farther than he should have gone and he had literally gotten lost. And because of that, I could see where he was. And I did call the hotline and tell them where he was. And he was and found was, safe? He was found? He was found safe. Wow. He was just lost. Oh. So, and, you know, there was a kid that got lost as well. Went off trail hiking. It's not a kid kid, but like a, a teenager. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to help them find where he was. So sometimes this gift manifests itself in different ways. Yeah. I like to think it is... You know, whoever you believe in, God, the universe, whatever, using me to help someone. And I try to keep that conduit open and protect it. You have to protect it. And that's one thing I think people don't understand. Everyone has a paranormal show now on TV or radio or whatever. (laughs) And people listen and they watch these shows and they think, oh, I can do that. And they open a doorway and they don't know what they've let in their house. Right. And it it happens so often. You know, these shows should really go with disclaimer. Don't do this. And I think those are maybe the scariest things that happen. The really dark entity that I was talking about earlier, that happened as a result of a teenage girl's birthday party. And they played with a Ouija board. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, you know, just don't do that. But I do think if you are a medium, if you do have this gift, if you are sensitive, you have a conduit that is open to the divine. I firmly believe that. I have seen that at work in my life. I've seen it work in other people's lives. I know that's how it works. You just have to make sure you put what I describe as a, a protective filter on the end of that conduit. So only love and light can come through. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is never a dull moment when you're dealing with the unknown the paranormal and the supernatural. I mean, and you do have to be so, so careful. Like you said, I mean, I've, I've dealt with things that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And it just, it really makes you think, I always have to laugh when the, those type of people say, Oh, like, you know, ghosts can't hurt you. They sure as hell can. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I've, I, I have one friend who's a medium and they like, kind of make her feel how they died and at one time she felt like she was being drowned she felt like she was being hanged different things I felt like I was being hanged when I had my attachment I mean it is this horrible feeling and so yeah you just have to always be so incredibly careful but I just have to say jumping back to the missing people good for you I love that you're able to use your gift and help people like you're helping 
families reconnect and what have you, but also you're helping people who are still very much alive needing help and they're able to communicate with you in this way. And, you know, like that child who was lost hiking and that elderly dementia gentleman, I mean, you know, those people are still around because of you. Like I've, I've dealt with mediums who call themselves mediums, but I am more medium than them, it seems. And, you know, yeah, there's phonies. But I think that, like, I I love when police stations and departments actually go through with mediums that are legit like yourself, who, hey, I've made a difference. I've been able to help people. I've been able to find these people that are missing and bring them back safe. And has there ever been a time where you, where the person was deceased and you were able to help them be found? Yeah, that's, you know, those are never pleasant. Right. Yeah, a couple of times. The most recent one was just a couple of weeks ago where it was the weirdest thing. I was talking on the phone to a friend and all of a sudden I was hearing a couple arguing. I live in the middle of nowhere. My nearest neighbor is a half a mile. There's Hmm. no way I was hearing people arguing. But I heard it and I heard keys and I heard a door slam and I heard a car start and then it stopped. Mm. And I was talking to my friend who is also a medium. And she says, I think you're picking up on something because I just heard what you heard. And we finished our conversation and I kind of sat in the dark, which is where I do my best thinking is <laughs> at night. And I was just kind of I was outside. I was looking at the stars and all of a sudden I heard yelling and I heard a thud and I just happened to know that one of my closest neighbors who is a CHP well it's CHP they're BHP here the border patrol but I knew he was home and I called and I said you're gonna think this is really weird and he says well from you (laughs) and I went well okay I and I told him what I heard And his radio started going off at the same time. And what I heard was a couple fighting, was her getting mad and leaving the house and losing control of a car. Oh, no. And when they talked to her husband and they talked to, well, she ended up in a medically induced coma where she later passed away. But they were talking to the last people that were talking to her. She was on her phone when she lost control of the car as she was screaming at one of her friends. Oh, that's horrible. Stay off your phone when you're in your car, especially if you're angry. But that was a situation that had honestly never happened to me before. I had never heard the whole thing. And when I told them what I heard, some of the things that I heard were exactly what they had said to each other. Wow. So for some reason, I literally was tapped into that conversation. And I felt horrible that I didn't recognize what was about to happen. Because yeah. part of me is still thinking I could have saved her. Oh. I, you know, I should have called someone sooner. And I didn't. But, you know, she is at peace now, and he is in the grieving process, which, you know, is what it is. Well, and also, you might not have been able to save her, but have you thought that possibly you saved him? Like, if you weren't able to hear this talk, people nowadays, I watch true crime all the time. In my head, I might be like, was he responsible? They were just fighting. And maybe neighbors nearby heard them fighting. And all of a sudden, they put two to do two together. And now she's gone. I don't know, maybe not. But maybe in a way of hearing this, you saved him. And, and 
that could be. And, you know, they, they he had no fault in it. Yeah. And he feels horrible still that they were in a fight. And, you right. know, it, I, it's not, it was bad. And, yeah. you know, certainly it was something that they should have maybe worked out in a different way. Yeah. But, you know, people take so much for granted. And I think really, if my gift has taught me anything, it is that people take so much for granted. Yeah. It is really awful how much we take for granted. And then things happen and we're like, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. Well, yeah, you should have seen that coming. I mean, there are some things that we ignore and we gloss over and we just need to spend more time and pay better attention to what's going on around us because you never know when someone close to you might be going through something and you're just blowing it off. Don't ever do that. You know, it's, it's really awful. Absolutely. And that's good words to live by for sure. So I know you already mentioned that very dark negative shadow with the horns. Besides that, were there any times when you saw something or dealt with something that just straight up terrified you? Oh, so many times. (laughs) I, I have seen things that I will be trying to understand for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's not the next one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you see things right in front of your face, and I've seen brand new investigators going on their first investigation ever, and you see it in their eyes. When you see something in front of your face, you cannot deny its existence right. anymore. And that's the thing I always caution people. You know, you don't know what you're going to see when you go on an investigation. You may have an idea. You may have what other people have said. But until you see it and experience it, you really have no idea. And it, it can be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. There have been things that I've seen that I wouldn't wish on anyone. It's just, it happens. Right. Yeah. Was there ever a time when you were talking with a client or somebody trying to help them with their family or past loved ones? And like you said, they might be trying to have their dad reach out to them and something else completely comes out. And so has there ever been a time when you're talking with somebody and you're in the middle of a session with them and just like this evilness comes out of that? Not during a session because I establish all sorts of protection protocols. That's but, good. You know, I I have gone into an investigation and you probably had this yourself where they are convinced they know who is causing the problem. Yeah. And you get there and it is entirely different than what right. they think. And those are always interesting because you kind of, okay, well, what is it about the person that you thought it was that you thought they would do this? Because if you've lost a loved one who loved you and cherished you while they were alive, they are not going to throw glasses at you. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, most people, in my experience, most people, if they have some kind of activity in their home, they think they know who it is. And rarely are they correct. So, you know, when you go in, you can have all the information in the world. You can talk to the client until you're blue in the face. You're still going to find something that is different than what they thought. And that's just been my experience. And it's, it's really interesting. 
Exactly. Well, the thing is with the paranormal, like you said, usually it's not something that you're expecting. And it's not like, you know, going to the grocery store and or going to visit grandma and having like, you know, the same thing. Oh, I'm going to have cookies. We're going to watch TV. We're going to talk. No, you could go to a place and investigate it 20 different times and you're going to have 20 different investigations and results and and things of that sort definitely again never a dull moment (laughs) no never never ever (laughs) it really gets interesting it really does get Mm -hmm. interesting and there have been a couple of times where in all honesty i've thought why am i doing this (laughs) that was that was like brutal why am i doing this (laughs) and then you hear from the client about how much you help them and how much better their their place feels and okay that's why yeah that's why (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely so kelly we're hopping to a totally different category now you know when a week ago we were on the phone you mentioned something that gave me chills. It had to do with a past life that you had, and it was so incredibly intense. And I've only experienced that one time past life kind of thing um, where I told you where I see myself as a man and dead in Tombstone on the streets of Tombstone where I was shot and killed. And so talk a bit about your past life. Well, the one that directly relates to yours is I, I saw you on the, on the street in Tombstone, and that was rather interesting. You know, I, I am one of those people that has past life recall of most past lives, but I have really had several in this area, you know, in, in Tombstone, around Tombstone, where I live at the foot of the Chiricahua Mountains. And they all sort of interrelate where, you know, you, you have a life where you're a different sex and you're, you know, out to shoot people. You know, I had one past life where I know I was a paid assassin. Wow. And I've, I've had other ones where I have met people in this life that I knew, not only knew, but had some deep relationship with in previous lives. There have been times where I have walked through Tombstone, which is sort of a magical, mystical place for me. Oh, yeah. And I see people laying in the street that were laying in the street 100, 200 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I used to work in a town that I had to go through Tombstone to get to that other Mm, town. And it was Christmas time, and I was coming home, and I saw... A group of Christmas carolers on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and I rolled down my window and they were singing in German oh wow well I know there are no German tourists making Christmas carols in the middle of the night outside of Tombstone when nothing is around so I researched it Mm. and there were a group of German people German speaking people who did Christmas carol along that road Oh, wow. It was in the 1800s. That's incredible. But I saw them. Sometimes things in Tombstone, I have had an entire conversation with a a spirit in Tombstone. And they looked just like any other person to me. And I was talking to them for probably three or four minutes. And I looked away and I looked back and they were gone. That's incredible. I, yeah, I always tell people that 
Tombstone has really become my favorite place to go to. I go every single year. I've become friends with the locals. I love the history, the ghosts, the locations. Just everything about it is such a phenomenal place. But also I always have to tell people that it's one of the most haunted places that I've ever been to. It's like, it's not just like one business that's haunted. It's like the whole district of Tombstone, the whole historic district of it. It's like there's so much going on there. Yeah, I saw myself, every time I go there, I see myself laying dead in the street. And I could tell it was from like the late 1800s. And I always joke around, just hope I died a brave lawman and not a a Cochise County cowboy. And so (laughs) maybe one of these days you could meet with me in Tombstone and maybe give me an answer. Was I a cowboy or was I the sheriff? I I, I would love to do that. You know, it's not only the Tombstone area that is haunted. It's the entire area in southeastern Arizona. So many things happened here and so many people were killed or hung needlessly, you know, when they were innocent completely. So many things happened that the whole area is really haunted. I really think, I I came here from the San Francisco area. Mm. So for me to go from such an intensely populated area to literal middle of nowhere, something brought me here. And, you know, I just, I think that uh, it was the spirits. I think it was, there was a reason for me to come back here. And coming onto my property that I bought, it felt like coming home. It didn't feel like moving to a new place and a new way of life. It felt like, ah, I'm home now. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. But people come to this area, they either love it, can't imagine being anywhere else, or they can't stand it and think you're crazy for being here. (laughs) Well, you know what? If it weren't for my boyfriend, I would would live in Arizona. I just, I, I love it there. I have family there. I have friends there. I just... I adore that area, but my boyfriend's like, no way in hell. It's way too hot there, especially in the summer. And I I get that. I totally, totally get that. That's why I only go like in September and October. I myself avoid the heat, but no, such a neat, magical place. Now, I want to talk about your home for sure. But before we do, I want to talk about uh, there was a specific past life that you mentioned, and it had you actually being executed. Yeah, I, I, I have been executed a couple of times in a couple of past lives. Mm. It's always interesting when something surfaces and it triggers you. And it when in my case, when it triggers me, it usually means I'm going backwards in time about, you know, a thousand years or so. But it, my way of thinking, the people that are the light workers today, the people who are intuitive or psychic, I don't like the word psychic, but I'm going to yeah. use it for that purpose. <laughs> All of us who are a little bit different, we have all been killed, murdered for our gifts in the past. And I base that solely on my experiences doing readings for people. And you go back, you can do a a reading about anything, any, any particular point of time. But one of the things that I learned to do early on was a form, it's a shamanic form of soul retrieval. And when you're doing that, you're going back and you're finding those old wounds and bringing them forward so you can heal them. And a lot of times people don't realize what has been holding them back 
right. until they realized that they were executed. I spent a lot of my life trying to hide in the shadows, trying to be accepted, trying to find people who would like me for who I was. And growing up in Texas, that wasn't happening very often. So it just became something I shut off. I tried to shut it off. It never would close. It never would turn off for me. And I've spoken to so many other people who said, yeah, I just turned that off. Well, I tried. (laughs) It was like, nope, you're not shutting this down. But it wasn't really until I started embracing who I was. And I was like, okay, I can't turn this off. Why does it bother me so much? Yeah. And I started remembering things that had happened to me before in the past hmm. when I had been more open. Wow. And, you know, if you're you're hung or you're burned at the stake or, you know, something other otherwise murder has happened to you in the past life, you really do hold on to a lot of that. And I know people don't want to believe that, but it is absolutely true. You do hold on to that. It happened to your soul. Just because you're in a different body now, just because you're living a different life now, does not mean that you let go of all of the things your soul has gone through in the past. Yeah, no, that's very true. Absolutely. Oh, (laughs) In particular lives, I have been burned at the stake. I have been hung. I've been shot and killed. You know, any plethora, anything that could have happened to someone that was considered to be a mystic. And back in many of the old times, that was you're in league with the devil and you must be killed. That's why we've lost a lot of our our gifts in general for humanity is because of some of the things that were done to us. Yeah, I remember when you were telling me about your past lives, it just it gave me chills. We all have them. Right. You know, there are very few new souls. Ooh, Kelly, you live in a home that is pretty active when it comes to the paranormal. I, I want to hear a bit about that, but first let's talk about what came before the house was even built. When you visited this land, you saw things and felt things, and there was a connection to Native Americans. So what exactly did you see on your land? On my land in particular, it is an area that Native people used for, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years. They would migrate between the Chiricahua Mountain Range and the Huachucas and and Dragoons on the other side of the valley. But this was an area where they could find water. There used to be a small lake here. And it was known that they would be in this area. There was a horrible battle between white people when they started coming here. And this was still Mexico at that time. That's how long ago it was. There were women and children that were just slaughtered because they were Native American. And that's just, yeah, you know, not, not right in anyone's book. But I saw, you know, people that were long dead. And they were just upset, understandably. Very, very hostilely angry. And for whatever reason, I was brought to this area. And I knew... I was brought here to start a healing process. So that's what I did. I I spent a lot of time, and I still do today, making offerings of peace and love to the Native peoples that were here. A lot of apologies. 
I, I did an entire apology ritual one oh. time. And it just, you know, nobody should be scratched in their own house. Yeah. And it just was something that needed healing. And I didn't, I went at it as the, the approach of you are right to be angry. Right. And the minute I started from that approach, you could kind of feel things shifting a little bit. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, 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 we are right to be angry. You know, <laughs> you can hear that. I had friends here who could hear a woman just sobbing, hysterical, crying, holding a dead child. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, they just came through and killed everyone. This entire area suffered horrendous tragedies. It was not only with the Apache that were here, but before the Apache, those people. It seems like this land was just scarred. And when you have that, you're going to have activity until someone comes in and listens. All they wanted was to be heard. You know, they wanted to be acknowledged. It was very, very good for a number of years. And anytime you have a personal tragedy on top of something that was already healed, either spirit is going to say, okay, well, that's your thing, or they're going to get active again. And in my case, they got active again. Oh. So I kind of had to do everything twice. But, you know, it is what it is, and it's fine now. It's right. just when I have people here, I always tell them the story. Because yeah. these people want their story told. They want people to acknowledge what happened and how horrible it was. Absolutely. They don't want to be forgotten. So yeah. totally get that. So around this time before the house is built and you had just gotten the land, you were really sick during that time involving your kidney. The doctor yeah. actually had quite an eerie message for you. What were you going through, and what was the scrim message from the doctor? Well, I was told that I may not live to see the house completed. It <laughs> was a very bad situation. I had started out in a different state where I had insurance, and once a uh, the insurance fell apart, I moved to Arizona with my now ex-husband, and I found the land and sort of convinced him, yeah, this is where we need to be, and he's like, oh, <laughs> I knew I needed to be here to heal, and I wasn't talking about just my kidney, I was talking about, you know, many lifetimes of healing that needed to be done, yeah. but it was... To the point where by the time I had my surgery, my kidney weighed 44 pounds. Oh, my God. Wow. And it was a situation where my blood was beginning to be poisoned. So I literally went into an emergency room and met the doctor on call, who happened to be the number one urologist in the state. Mm, wow. Um, you know, that was kind of, yeah, okay, we'll take her. Yeah. But, you know, it was a growth and it was all self-contained within my kidney. There was nothing spreading anywhere or anything like that. And they, she removed it, and you know, I was, I was essentially fine. But the entire process was almost two years. Jeez. 
they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I actually had one doctor in that other state tell me, oh, well, you just need to lose weight. Oh, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's only on my left side, but hey, that could be weight. Sure. <laughs> yeah. it, I looked like I was nine months pregnant, but only on my left side. Jeez. It was quite the ordeal, and by the time I found the surgeon, she told me that um, I might not live long enough to see my house finished. So for the last uh, six months of the house construction, I really wasn't sure that I would ever really live here. Wow, you literally, I'm sure, felt like dead woman walking. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, you know, I would sleep for, you know, days at a time until someone would wake me up saying, hey, we need to make a decision here. Oh. And then I would get up and I would make the decision and I would go back to bed. And at some point, unfortunately, at one point, it got to the point where I was like, I don't care. Just build the house. Yeah. <laughs> and some things were done that I probably would not have done. But, you know, that was, it was okay. It, it was to the point where I really felt like I was dying. And oh. in many ways, I was. Right. Yeah. Is what it is. Bless your heart. I'm glad that you're still <laughs> around. Glad that you got to see your house be built and living in it. Didn't you, like, kind of go to the land and ask the Native Americans to kind of help you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said when I was really, really sick and I really wasn't out of bed much, I got up in the middle of the night and I walked outside and it was a beautiful full moon. And I just watched my, I have a white horse and, you know, she sort of glows in the dark. (laughs) I was watching her and I just said, ancestors, great spirit, grandfathers, grandmothers, if, if I'm supposed to be here, I need your healing. And that was when I I sort of turned the corner. But I did die on the operating table, and I've done that twice now. Jeez. Um, And I have gone to the light, and I have been thrown back unceremoniously, I might add. And (laughs) I told them that I'm not finished yet. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it just, um, I think everything happens for a reason. And one thing I can tell you for certain is having gone through life-threatening illness twice now, it has made my gifts stronger and it has strengthened my connection with the other side and there are so many things that have been taught to me from beings who are not in our physical realm you know if everything happens for a reason that was my reason happy you're still here you still got a lot to do you know third time's the charm right (laughs) (laughs) oh boy so kelly you mentioned to me a while back that in the area where you live there's a possible skinwalker yeah have you ever seen the skinwalker or what kind of stories have you heard regarding it um there was a man who is now deceased that used to give me sort of 
history lessons. He had been here forever. He was, you know, at one time the history guy of this area. And he would tell me stories about things that had happened and things that people had seen and, you know, kind of tell you where not to go off trail because it isn't safe. And that doesn't mean that it's not safe because of, you know, bandits or bad people or, you know, animals. But it's not safe because it is the realm of the skinwalker. And I would say mm. at that time, I'd never heard that term before. I was like, okay, what's a skinwalker? You know, right. and it was interesting. There are caves in this area in the mountains that are blocked off. There's literally a cage around them at this point mm. because people were going in there and, and getting hurt or discovering things that yeah, powers that be really didn't want discovered. And, you know, those kinds of stories, you kind of, after you hear them seven or eight times, you have to kind of think maybe there's something to this. Yeah. I have gone up there at night, recently, actually, and I've been sort of chased out by something that was neither human nor animal. I cannot say that it was a skinwalker because I really honestly still to this day don't know exactly what I'm looking for. Hmm. But it was something and it was not human and it was not an animal. Oh, interesting. Maybe like elemental or... You know, there are elemental spirits around here. Yeah. There are also a whole host of other things around here. You know, there were First Nations people here for thousands of years and some of the beings the entities that they work with it would just blow our minds and you know i know that <laughs> i know that i'm aware it's again one of those things that when it's in front of you you can't deny its existence and right. some of the things i've seen in these mountains really do kind of make you go huh yeah makes you think yeah definitely <laughs> Kelly, before we end this, I want you to talk a bit about your YouTube series, which is titled All Things Metaphysical with Kelly and Gail. We figured between our clients, we had answered almost every metaphysical question that there was to be asked. <laughs> and clearly people were wanting information that they were not really getting. And just from a standpoint of, I want you to have the right information. I want you to know what you can conjure with a Ouija board. I know. I want you to know what that means when you're seeing flashes of things that look like glittery lights out the side of your eye. I, we started this series, and it really is sort of a hodgepodge of things that we have learned people need to know about. We talk about a little bit of everything. We got into... Angel numbers the other day, we've, we've talked about how to get rid of a, an entity that is bothering you. How do you know when you're meditating or you're starting a, a spiritual practice? How do you know you're talking to your grandmother? Yeah. You know, how do you know you're not talking to something else? We answer those kinds of questions. I talk more from a shamanic perspective because I've always been, you know, animal oriented. Uh, and Gail is more from um, a spiritual, she has a very sweet, kind nature. And she's worked with a lot of um, extraterrestrial beings, mm. which is an entirely different show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really sort of a tutorial for people that are kind of new 
to the path. We do it every other Wednesday, although sometimes we decide, hey, today's a good day to do a show, and it's <laughs> another day. <laughs> but it's on, on our YouTube channel. It's All Things Metaphysical is the YouTube channel. We think we're doing a good service. We hope we are. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love it. That's that's great. So yeah, everybody, go check it out. All things metaphysical with Kelly and Gail. And yeah, that sounds neat. I will definitely have to check it out. One last thing, Kelly, do you ever do medium sessions with people? And oh yes. If okay, cool. No, that's great. So for those who are listening who may be interested in doing booking a session with you, how can they reach out to you? The best way to reach me, honestly, and I give out my email all the time so don't freak out, is Fitzgerald, F-I-T-Z-G-E-R-A-L-D-T-O-O at yahoo.com. I have a website, which is intuitive medium kelly with an ie fitzgerald and you can reach me through there as well i don't get those messages as frequently so if it is something that's rather important or of a timely nature then the fitzgerald too at yahoo.com is the best okay perfect kelly i just have to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being on Paranormal Prowlers podcast, it's it's greatly appreciated. I had a great time talking with you. Yeah, it, it really has been a pleasure. I, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. What an awesome gal. I had a lot of fun talking with her last week and knew from our conversation that she would have a ton of things to share when it came to the spiritual world. So huge shout out to Kelly Fitzgerald and also another huge shout out as Kelly was referred by a mutual friend of ours and she's also a past guest, Mercedes Benedict, for it was Mercedes who connected Kelly and I. So a big shout out both to Kelly and Mercedes. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? Well, really, there's no need to fret. You could hit up any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, Hubhopper, Downcast. Basically, wherever you roam to hear your other phenomenal podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Raleigh, North Carolina, Hope, Arkansas, Lynchburg, Virginia, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Carlisle, England. Do you have a story of your own that you would like to share? Maybe you want to be a voiceover for a future episode. Have a spooky location in mind that you would like to see on the podcast. I love recommendations and suggestions, so please don't hesitate to hit me up via paraprowl at gmail.com or find me on the Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page. Thanks again to Kelly Fitzgerald and you guys, we will see you next week.